You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Wow, we welcome with open arms this unbelievable day. I had to get Lars off the golf course, and I had to get Christian out of his backyard. He was out there. He was planting chameleons. But anyway, uh, welcome into the program. It is an absolutely gorgeous day. Just got back from eating um, lunch with my grandchildren, and uh, some of the classes were having lunch outside. It was their destination lunch, as they call it. But uh, anyway, that's what a beautiful day it is. Welcome to the show, gentlemen, guys, gals. Listen, appreciate that. Uh, urge you to download our app, which is our website. Go to www. You really need to say that anymore. I do anyway. It's bignoonsports.com and Twitter. It's at Big Noon Sports. Yesterday afternoon, not too far after the show, uh, I get a text or it pops up on my phone, whatever these different platforms are. It says that Willis, Willis Reed had passed away. Now, Willis is a, a, a my generation player, and you guys have probably heard of him. Uh, some of you listening watched him play in, in that monumental game of uh, good grief, of emotion uh, that he played in 1970, May 5th, 1970, when he had a thigh bruise and, and he wasn't expected to play. He came out of the locker room in Madison Square Garden playing but limping. He went through warm-ups. Nobody expected him to play. He hit the first two shots. The Knicks went on to win the NBA championship. He will be remembered for that and notably so because uh, – he was an inspiration, but he was also a man of integrity. Uh, he went on to serve in NBA administration and uh, many other facets of basketball. And I just think of uh, how distinguished he looked, even in age, uh, a little bit like Bill Russell with the white hair and beard. And uh, he was just a class act on and off the floor. And Lars, I was deeply saddened by his passion, uh, by his passing because my generation, you know, the kind of mid to late baby boomers, when we were playing in our backyard, we wanted to post up. We were either Willis Reed, Wes Unseld, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or Will Chamberlain. Uh, Reed was tough as a pine knot. Yeah, and this is going to require a little bit of explanation, but... New York has always had this unique skill, meaning sort of the city, to create myths better than any other city, right? Mythological figures. You go back to 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 Babe Ruth, uh, to Joe DiMaggio, uh, Frank Gifford, our Joe Namath, Y. Tittle, uh, Tom Seaver, Y. Tittle, Reggie Jackson. Mark Messier and Willis Reed, he really, even now, he's the most iconic New York player in the history of the franchise, even more so than Clyde Frazier, I would argue, who was Reed's teammate on the last Knicks team to win a championship, which was in 1973. 
and became the team's TV broadcaster for decades. And I, I love listening to, to Walt Frazier or Clyde Frazier. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, Willis Reed's career, probably unfairly, really has been kind of reduced to that one night in May of 1970 when he was burdened with that torn thigh muscle when, you know, the, you have the shot of him gimping onto the floor before game seven uh, against the Los Angeles Lakers. And it was just like this guttural communal roar from the crowd of Madison Square Garden, just like whipped into a froth, right? And he comes out. He hits the first, his first two jump shots, has that sweet left-handed jump shot for a, for a, a big man. And, I, and this is kind of where the myth becomes more than, if myth sort of turns, or reality, excuse me, reality becomes myth because he's credited for winning that game. When in reality, uh, you know, he didn't defeat the Lakers on one leg, right? That's the legend. Well, Matt, he played 27 minutes and was really just a decoy. And he was dragging that dead leg behind him and, and he deferred to his teammates. And it was Frazier who had the amazing night. 36 points, 19 assists, right? Unreal. But it's always the Willis Reed narrative that has persisted over time simply because the cameras caught him coming out of the tunnel, right? All by himself. Last player onto the floor. And and how many times throughout your life and my life have when you, you unexpectedly see a player come into the game, you're like, this is a Willis Reed moment, right? <laughs> um, and and so that, that, for better or worse, that image is what he's known for. Even though it's really not the true story, but it's a story that sort of satisfies the myth. Right. Well, he was uh, credited with no two baskets doesn't win you a championship, but his inspiration <laughs> certainly did. And I think what he's that's what he's noted for in that game. If I could give you maybe a modern day example of how it was, and I was a little kid, believe it or not, I didn't cover this game, y'all, but um, I was watching that game on television, and I remember uh, just. That took the top off of Madison Square Garden. And as many wonderful athletic events have occurred in, in the world's most famous arena, that's the loudest I'd ever heard there. But if I can give you a maybe um, a parallel in this day and age that more people would be uh, could remember, and that would be Kurt Gibson in the World Series because nobody expected him to play, nobody expected him to hit. And then he steps up, pinch-hitting roll, off Dennis Eckersley, hits a home run to win. I think it was game one or game two of the World Series. But um, that was an inspiration. Certainly Willis Reed was an inspiration to us all. And um, I'm saddened by his passing. But, man, I will tell you this. I'm so glad I got to watch that guy play. And I did. Yeah. That was back in the day when little kids ran around. You were either Pete Maravich of college basketball or you were uh, Frazier, Reed, Unsell, as I was talking about. Uh, I was a big Hal Greer guy. Nobody probably knows who he is, but anyway, um, I just but, but I, I think... felt so strongly about Willis Reed that I really wanted to lead the show with it. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought him up. I never, I wasn't born yet, but obviously, I, I love sports history, and I, and I do, and I lived in New York a long time. 
and again, I, I think that image of Reed limping onto the floor, it's bigger in the New York consciousness than uh, Babe Ruth's called shot. Uh, which people still argue of whether it really happened. I think it's bigger than Joe Namath running off the field in Super Bowl three, right? W- with that index raised to the sky. Uh, it's bigger than David Tyree's helmet catch in Super Bowl 42. Um, and, and, and what's interesting is, you know, Willis Reed was a pretty quiet guy. Right. And he let that legend kind of just spread by itself because he never talked about it. And he did the perfect thing. Like when everyone was looking at him, he let his actions speak for himself. Right. And that's I think that's a big reason why it's such a everlasting, iconic moment. Well, Christian is with us and um, and certainly wasn't around when Willis Reed was playing. But I bet his uh, dad, having played in New York, I bet he'd remember Willis Reed big time. How you doing today, Christian? Doing well. All is good here, too. Um, we are going to continue our thread here on basketball. I want to talk a little bit about UAB. They're playing at Vanderbilt tonight. Uh, we will do that at the bottom of the hour. Murray Barto will join us. Uh, you guys want to dive into this Rick Patino thing real quick? Gee, do it. man, he just came out throwing rocks. If you haven't read about it, you know, he's been hired uh, to replace Mike Anderson at St. John's, and uh, everybody in the world saw this coming. But uh, as he addressed the media, he immediately said of the current roster for the Johnnies um, with Red Storm that uh, a lot of players on the roster aren't going to be a good fit for him. Good grief. I'll talk real quick about this. And I said, an incoming coach that comes in there and basically says, I'm going to clear the roster. Um, I think this is all probably based a little bit on the transfer portal. You know what? He's sending it up. You guys get in the transfer portal. By the way, everybody that wants to play at St. John's, anybody wants to play for Rick Patino, the, the bar is open. Come on. But I just really think he took a shot at the current roster, obviously. Uh, not being a good fit. How does he know? Has he practiced with them? Has he been on at side court? How does he know they're not a good fit? Uh, he's just making way for the transfer portal, in my opinion. And, of course, you guys know pretty close with Mike Anderson. I think he took a major shot at Mike Anderson, all of which was not necessary. Yeah, uh, I agree. And he acknowledged that when he went to Iona in his opening press conference, you know what he said? Iona is going to be my last job. <laughs> well, uh, he, he figured that no one would hire a 70 year old coach. And, and look, I, I also think he is, um, he's seen what Deion Sanders is doing at Colorado, right? Like he, Deion Sanders did, did the exact same thing when he took the job. And there was absolutely zero backlash locally and on virtually zero nationally that Dion is like, you know, I'm bringing in my own guys. Uh, that's paraphrasing in a massive way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, it, it, it makes sense that in college basketball now, because of the transfer portal, because of how, uh, impactful freshmen can see, I mean, geez, just look at what the transfer portal did for Alabama. Look at, uh, what freshmen have done for Alabama, not just this year, but in the last few years, you can turn a program around in one off season. You really can. And, uh, and so he's just, um, 
you know, I, I, I kind of appreciate his honesty because uh, he's uh, he's just coming out and and firing warning shots to the players. It's like, get, get on board now. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the players don't fit the style of play that he wants. And so um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on this because the players made a commitment to the university not necessarily to Mike Anderson, right? But now everything is just free agency. You know, people, people would always get upset with coaches who would be these mercenary type coaches, right? Hopscotching from school to school to school, which is what Nick Saban was viewed at before he got to Alabama. And then now players are doing the same thing. And so... I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a problem with Rick Patino saying that. What, what are your thoughts, Christian? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he should probably let the guys prove themselves first before he comes in taking shots at guys. I mean, unless he's been watching them on tape. I don't know. I, I wasn't a big fan. I know you didn't think Dion caught flag, but some people did kind of disagree with it because it kind of is, you know, blatant disrespect to me to those guys who work their asses off and, and you're just coming in there saying, well, I'm bringing my own guys and their Louis Vuitton luggage. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's just kind of, kind of disrespectful to the guys that have, you know, been in the program. And, you know, I'm sure there are some guys who aren't the right fit, but there's a lot of those guys in that room, um, that, that do work hard and try to do the right thing. So at least give them a fair chance to prove themselves because maybe they will end up being good players for you. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see how it works out for him. But I guess you're right with the transfer portal. These coaches kind of do have that luxury to basically um, take their pick. And uh, it's kind of unfortunate for the, the players in this situation. But I guess the best of the best will stick around and contribute. Big questions. We go to break. Yes or no. Does this happen with St. John's and Patino and with Dion in Colorado without the transfer portal? Yes or no, Christian? Uh, you mean like them getting hired? Or, or they're, no, like the them, they're, going they're coming about out it. with statements like this and emptying their rosters and letting the world know that they've got they've got places to be there. I, just, I personally oh, yeah, think no, that it, the it transfer couldn't, portal it has No, you're, you're absolutely right, Matt. It, it, there's no way it would happen because they, they wouldn't even be uh, – Dion wouldn't be allowed to bring his guys over. They'd have to sit out a year. So he couldn't yeah. even make that statement unless he wanted to go into a game with 20 guys on the roster. Yeah. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk more about this. I bet Murray Bartow remembers Willis Reed. We'll get a quick thought or two from him. Of course, Alabama's going to be playing Friday night. Uh, what about Ben Roethlisberger, the 49ers? Uh, crazy, crazy days in the world of sports right here on Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon, the high 72. Fair tonight, the low 54. Tomorrow, sunny and warm, the high 83. Friday, warm and breezy during the day. Thunderstorms arrive Friday night. Those storms could be severe, the high 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 68 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big News Sports, Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, Joe. 
appreciate uh, him punching all the buttons. Actually, uh, just told me it, he's not Bell and Skyler actually on the board. So that's a that's a good thing. Um, hey, Christian, b- before I get to some of the NFL stuff, I just wanted to ask you, since you're seated right there in Tuscaloosa, anything coming off the, the spring practice field with the University of Alabama? That you've heard of? Uh, no, I haven't even. I didn't make it over there for practice, so probably just a typical first day. I wish I had a better update for you, Matt, but I don't. Nothing new. I think everybody's still just focused on the quarterbacks right now, and that's probably going to be the whole storyline for the spring. But just got to let the whole process play out. I think one of the other things Nick mentioned uh, earlier this week is he really wanted to get a good look at his old line because he felt like he was going into spring with a lot less than he did. Not a lot. I think just he may have been just talking sheer numbers, but fewer than he did last year. Anyway, this story came up this morning. Ben Roethlisberger has apparently had conversations with the San Francisco 49ers. Christian, is that work? I, I kind of think that Big Ben, has his time, pardon the pun, has passed. Well, I think he was saying it was for last season, huh? so I don't think. Okay. Yeah, I think it was for – I think when they were struggling with all their quarterback injuries – um, they might have reached out to him. And uh, I think from what he was saying, they were kind of just gauging his interest, maybe just seeing if they could find a veteran who's, you know, played that position for a very long time and had success at that position. Maybe they could try to get him in there and fill fill a role um, that they're in dire need of. But um, it, it's tough to say, Matt. Like, could he go in there and fill in and, you know, play a couple games and maybe give them a chance potentially? But you're talking about a guy who's, going to be coming out of retirement and, and uh, yeah he could go in there and, and and play a game right but realistically i i, no, I don't think that would have worked out i think i think his time's pretty much up and i think he's enjoying retirement and that's probably why he kind of turned it down i don't know how far the talks got but it seemed like he kind of expressed that he didn't have too much interest in trying to take that challenge on yeah i i think he was you know somewhat intrigued that he was asked um, but uh, ultimately, look, at the end of his career with the Steelers, he was a statue in the pocket. Like He had no mobility. He'd lost his fastball, um, really had trouble pushing the ball down the field. And But I'll say this, they could have used him in the NFC Championship game, right? No kidding. <laughs> I mean, what if he just said they sign they sign him as an insurance policy, right? And uh, they could have elevated. He could have stepped in when when Purdy, uh, you know, uh, had 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 his UCL injury, and then um, essentially he couldn't throw the ball. Right. And, and, and we all thought, uh, certainly I did that the 49ers had a great chance to win that game before Purdy got hurt. And then, you know, who knows what happens if, if, uh, Big Ben is there and maybe he could have summoned some of the old magic for, uh, a half or, uh, you know, for however, for three quarters or whatever it was, uh, that, that Purdy was, went down. But, um, no, I, I think, Big Ben, yeah, and he, and he also talked about, this was on a, a, a radio interview, um, he talked about that he loves the fact that he's, he wakes up in the morning and his shoulders don't hurt, his neck doesn't hurt, his back doesn't hurt, because um, if you guys remember, he, he took some of the biggest hits a quarterback can take, and and I've uh, I've spent some time with him over the years, and he's a big, big, big man. But um, nonetheless, I mean, Matt, he just 
he got really beat up, especially at the end of his career. Well, the Steelers' offense was Najee Harris. I mean, <laughs> if not for him, he probably would have ended up just a total pancake because at least he could ha- hand him the ball, right? But um, anyway, uh, I agree 100%. They could have used him when Purdy went down, and who knows? Might have got him to the Super Bowl. Um, although, um, I think we had the best matchup of the best teams last year or this last February. So anyway, hey, Cam Newton threw at Pro Day yesterday at Auburn. Uh, I want to ask Cam, not Cam, but Christian, uh, your thoughts on that. We t- we discussed it yesterday, but I really just wanted to get kind of a player's view of what's Pro Day like? What all do you do? Is it Combine-like? Well, I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to spin off of Ben to, to him and, and basically kind of reiterate the same thing, meaning, you know, sometimes you just have to know when your time is up. And I love Cam, I'm a big fan of Cam, but um, unless he's going to you know, settled to be a, a backup quarterback in the league. I just, I just don't know if, if you know, it's worth the team signing him at this point. And again, and, it, and I wish it, it wasn't that way, but, um, and, and I don't know. Maybe his shoulders feeling better now. It's just the last couple seasons that we've seen Cam play, uh, they just haven't been to to his standard. And I understand, you know, he's dealt with shoulder injuries, he's dealt with all type of injuries, and that, those definitely play a role. Um, but. Just from what we saw, I mean, you know, when he was, uh, what was it, you know, the Patriots and was it, was it, uh, it, I think it's that game when he was playing against the Patriots and, you know, Carolina brought him back. Just, he just, his throwing ability just didn't seem to be where it once was. And, uh, I saw some clips of him at Pro Day and he, he had some great throws. Um, but then some other ones, you know, obviously you're not going to be perfect, but I just don't know if I see him coming back and, and really, you know, carrying a whole football team. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think he could be a great veteran presence on your team. I think he could be um, a phenomenal backup in the quarterback room. Um, but it's it's one of those things. I just I think you just got to know when, you know, you got to know your role and know where you, where you stand. And I think that's one of those things with him. I think the, the chance of him coming back and being a, a successful starting quarterback in the National Football League is, is kind of low at this point. But that's just from my perspective. But to answer your question, about pro day, um, it, it's kind of uh, it's similar to the the combine. At least you know the on field portion of the combine. You're not doing the, all the medical testing and whatnot, um, but you can meet with teams before you go out there and after. But in terms of you know what you're doing, you know you have the bench test, the vertical test, broad jump. To, you know all those um, tests that you see on the field at the combine. You do those as well as position work, individual drills. Um, so it, it, it's really an extension of the combine. It's just a lot, a lot more comfortable. You're in your home environment. You're in the indoor, and uh, you got all your you know teammates or former teammates out there watching you. You just feel a lot more comfortable than the combine. The combine and everything is rushed. You're, you're, they're calling you out there, you know, rapid pace, and you just got to line up, do a drill, get back out, get back in line, and it's just it's so you know stressful um, of an environment at the combine versus at pro day. Um, you know, you're, you're with all your teammates. You know, yeah, you still have scouts surrounding the entire indoor. Um, but it's a place that you've been the last three, four, or five years. And uh, you're just going out there and doing um, the same things that you've always done. And it, it really, me and my dad were talking about this yesterday. We did a podcast. It's one of those things where 
you know, people put so much emphasis on these pro days and combines, but really it's just so these teams can check boxes. At the end of the day, they're going to go off of what they see on tape. They're going to go off of what they watch on film. Um, of you as a player. This is really just so they can say, hey, let's see how this guy moves. Like, for instance, it's very beneficial for a guy like me who spent a lot of time with his hand in the dirt. Um, and they're saying, hey, you know, this guy has a build where we, we could potentially play him as a, a 4-3 outside linebacker. We want to see how he does in space. We want to see his ability to drop in coverage and move, you know, flip his hips. Um, and so that that's where it's very beneficial. Um, you know, for running back, you know, yeah, they like seeing those guys, you know, go through the bags and sh- shuffle their feet, see their shiftiness. But really, that's not really going to help them climb up the ranks at, uh, as a draft pick. You know, they're, they're ultimately going to go off of, you know, physical attributes and, and film. But it definitely is beneficial for some guys. I think the storyline for this pro day is going to be Bryce Young. He didn't throw at the combine. They're finally going to get to see him throw. But even then... I mean, really, if you watch the tape, he's the clear-cut best quarterback in this draft, arguably the best player in this draft. And, and what he does tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but whenever their pro day is. I believe it is tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. That's right. So whatever he does at pro day shouldn't dictate, you know, where he goes in this draft. Because, again, I mean, he's just throwing on air. And, uh yeah, you can see his arm talent there. But, again, it, as a football player, you know, you really see what a guy is about is when when he's on the field. There's 11 on 11. You know, you're facing pass rush. You're facing pressure. You're facing all those other variables, not just doing it on the indoor with no equipment on. So um, I, I think that's going to be the biggest storyline tomorrow, though, is, is Bryce Young throwing the football. Yeah. Great Matt, stuff. Matt, you remember it was two years ago when Zach Wilson at BYU's Pro Day made this incredible throw, right? It's against air, but he's, he's running to his left and throws against his body about uh, uh, 63 yards in the air and hits his receiver in stride. And that clip, I swear, it, it went viral, right? And I I would argue that that is a big reason why the Jets drafted him where he did, where they did at number two overall. Uh, I think some teams just do put too much uh, value in, in, in pro day. But um, just to go back to Cam Newton really quick, and I know we got a break. Cam says he wants to be a starter. I, I, I don't see a team willing to bring him in as a backup just because Cam's got such a big personality, um, pretty flamboyant guy. And uh, it's kind of the same reason, it, it, but it, it, in, a, in a different light, why Colin Kaepernick isn't in the league. Like it, it, A team doesn't want to bring Colin in to be a backup because of all of the questions that would then be asked by the other players about the backup quarterback. Big News Sports continues with Murray Bartow. Guys, we got to get to a break. Let's do that, and we'll come back and talk with Murray Bartow. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. I studied. And also their matchup coming up with uh, San Diego State on Friday in Louisville. 
Well, it's a good question. I've as a as a scout, I scout now in the NBA with the Hornets, so I've seen everybody. I've traveled the country. I've seen every team probably multiple times, and you know, obviously with Alabama, they're just uh, you know it, it all starts with with Brandon Miller. He's just so talented and so good. He's the you know probably the best player in the tournament, and plus. Alabama's got length. They've got versatility. They can make threes. He, you know, Nate's just got a lot of guys that he can run in and out of the game. I mean, he's got nine, ten guys that he can play, and it doesn't seem like they miss a beat when they go to their bench. Now, with all that being said, San Diego State is really good. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country, so if they're making shots and making some threes, they're not easy to beat either. And, uh, you know, if you look at San Diego State over the years, they've, they've just, for the last eight, nine, ten years, they've had really good teams. And they always guard you. And so this will not be an easy game. I, I would pick Alabama to win the game. I have no clue what the line is, but I'm sure you guys might know. But I'm guessing, what what is it, five, six, seven, something like that? Yeah, right in there. Yeah, that that's what I would guess it to be. Can San Diego State win the game? They certainly can. I mean, again, they really they really can guard and they can really rebound. And if they're making shots, which you never know if the shots are going to be going in or not, but if they're making shots, they'll have a chance to win the game. But but at the end of the day, I would pick Alabama to win that game in advance. I don't think it's a matchup that Nate Oates would have embraced. I mean, I don't think he'd have picked this. But uh, speaking <laughs> no, of No, I Oates, agree. Yeah. Speaking of Oates, um, we all know, Murray, you start with really good players. Alabama's got really good players. But is he doing a lot different with his mathematics and his, his wanting to take threes instead of 17-footers? What is he doing on the floor that has enabled Alabama to be the 1-1-A seed this year? Well, he's done a great job. You know, I've I've known Nate for a long time. When I was at East Tennessee State, we recruited one of his players when he was a high school coach in Romulus, Michigan. So I've known Nate since that time that we recruited uh, one of his players. But uh, they shoot a lot of threes. They get to the rim a lot, and they've just got a great balance. And obviously analytics will tell you get to the rim or take the three, and they really live by that. And, uh, you know, he's got guys that can score around the rim. Then he, he lets, he gives guys a lot of freedom. And whether they're going in or not going in, he gives guys that freedom to shoot the ball. And, uh, he's, again, it, it does start with recruiting, but he and the staff have had to go out and get those players. And again, Brandon Miller will be one of the top picks in the draft. And, you know, Clowney has come on so much and played so well, but Nate has certainly done a great job since he's been there at Alabama. Uh, in your position as a scout, you have a, a unique ability, I think, to, to answer this. Is, is How is Brandon Miller's game going to translate to the NBA? And, you know, the, the comp that you sometimes hear, which seems a little far-fetched to me, is uh, Kevin Durant. Um, and, and also just a, a follow-up to that is what other players on that Alabama roster have caught your eye as players who really could flourish in the NBA? 
Well, and I'll speak for myself. This is just me. This is not our organization speaking, but for myself. And I've seen Alabama a lot. I'd start with even before I get to Brandon. You know, Clowney will play in the NBA. He's uh, he's a talented young man. He's you know he's still really young, so he's raw kind of the way he plays, and he's still got a lot of developing to do. But he's got a real chance to to be a good player in the NBA. And then as it relates to, to Brandon, I don't know who his comp is, but the game is just really easy. You know, that's what I, I've seen them practice a lot. I've seen them in a lot of games and that's really what I would, the first thing that I would say, the game is just, he sees it, he can handle it. He can pass it, knows how to score, you know, really good athlete defensively. He's got the ability to guard, sit down, and he's got the wingspan and the athleticism to become, a, you know, a good defender. And I don't think there'll be a long transition period for him. I really don't because he's, you know, he's six eight. He's long. He's he can really handle it. He can pass it. Sees the game, and it just it really comes easy to him. And uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners saw the game here against Gonzaga. And, uh, you know, he had about 36 in that game. And it's just real simple. And uh, he's good. He can make threes at a high percentage. And uh, he's he's pretty good off the bounce. He's really athletic. and So, you know, without any question, he'll be one of the top picks in the draft. And, and he's got a chance, I really think, to tr- transition very, very quickly into the NBA. Murray, as uh, we wrap up this segment, uh, our many thanks for joining us. But uh, off the floor, um, because we all know the tremendous accomplishments of your father, Gene Bartow, but what do you take from him day to day? Who, my dad, Matt? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. So so I, I my dad passed away 11 years ago, and... There's not a day that goes by where I don't think about him. And, you know, of course, I played for him, coached under him. And, you know, he just, uh, he was a real simple man, very genuine man. And I think the my biggest takeaway, Matt, is just the way he treated people. And he was he was a great coach and won a lot of games. He's in a lot of Hall of Fames. I am proud of those things. But more importantly, I just... I gen- I like the way he treated people. He was really good with people. Well, and I was one of them because uh, he helped promote my career. And you and I will talk about that next time you beat my butt on the golf course. Uh, Murray, <laughs> thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. We'll do it again in a couple of weeks as the tournament progresses. Okay, y'all do a great job. Thanks, Matt. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you very much. All right. Yeah, good good guy, really good guy, a lot like his father in that way. In that way. Uh, when we get back, just a, a quick note from Augusta, something's going to be missing again, and the fans aren't very, excuse me. Lars, you don't say fans, you don't say gallery. What do you say at Augusta? <laughs> Patrons. I already messed up at Augusta. They just pulled my pass. We'll be yeah. back. More Big Noon Sports 
Coming up. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Fiore, Grayson, and Mizzen and Main. And if you haven't tried the Mizzen and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Receiving unemployment, your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov slash fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ABA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for TTY accessibility. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon, the high 72. Fair tonight, the low 54. Tomorrow, sunny and warm, the high 83. Friday, warm and breezy during the day. Thunderstorms arrive Friday night. Those storms could be severe, the high 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Anderson, appreciate everybody dialing us in. We'll take your calls, uh, 205-342-9904. You can uh, catch us on our website at bignoonsports.com and Twitter at Big Noon Sports. The Masters is coming up, and we haven't been able to talk to Christian much about this. I know he's aware of it. I bet his dad has been and may be going this year. But it's one of the coolest events that I've ever been to. I love it. I love the television coverage. But many of you know that um, the Masters is famous for their concessions, their food. Um, their pimento cheese sandwiches are specially made. They're out of this world. And they're unbelievably priced. I'll, I'll give you an example. I was there many years ago, and I went to the concession stand, and I got two pimento cheese sandwiches, two bags of chips, two sodas, and two Snickers bars, and I got change from my 10. 
It's just unbelievable. They have absolutely – they've frozen the prices. I have the prices. Uh, the egg salad sandwich, $1.50, pimento cheese sandwich, which are excellent. I had never had one before until I got to the Masters. Uh, they're only $1.50. Barbecue sandwich, 3 bucks. Club sandwich, 3 bucks. Grilled chicken wrap, 3 bucks. Chicken sandwich, 3 bucks. Chicken salad, 3 bucks. Ham and cheese on rye, two fifty. Do you see – Peach ice cream sandwiches on the menu. Uh, peach ice cream sandwiches. No, I do not. They stopped selling them last year because the peach supplier and the particular vendor that they were getting them from was just running short. And in this day and age, that probably means they couldn't find people to make the ice cream. Whatever the case, it's uh, it's not good news for the for the regular patrons at Augusta National. Uh, because, and I didn't eat a peach ice cream, uh, but now it really makes me want one because peach is one of my favorite types of ice cream and to eat one at Augusta would be absolutely fabulous. Christian, I don't know. Do you, I'm not asking you about the food. I'm just asking you about the masters in general and maybe has your dad ever played there? I mean, not during the masters, but at Augusta National. It's hard. I I don't know if he has or not, but, um, that would be cool if, if he did. I mean, I'd love to go play there one day. Uh, just walking around on it, you feel like you're in golf heaven. Because actually, Lars, I, I think when you are there, you are in golf heaven. I mean, I, yeah. I think this is this is uh, it's where uh, <laughs> it's and and you know what? As good as a, a as a presentation as CBS has been doing for years, Lars, you really have to be there, don't you? I mean, it's even better yeah. than you would imagine. Yeah, and and you know what's so shocking about it is you, you talk about it, golf heaven, but it, it, it's surrounded by strip mall hell. I mean, <laughs> it's not in a good location. You never would you never would guess that the most beautiful golf course I would argue in the world is right there uh, because it's just you know strip mall after strip mall after strip mall. But uh, once you roll through the gates, uh, it's just uh, it, it's just pure magic. I, I I loved it. I just I covered it once for uh, Bleacher Report, and uh, they gave me sort of carte blanche to what, what I wanted to write about. And I just I ended up writing about my dad. You know, I think I've told you I've told the story many times, so I won't go through it again. But. Uh, one of the great things about golf and what I love, so what I love so much about it is how it brings people closer together. And in my case, it, it was always such a special time to spend with my father. I just, I cherished those five hours we would get on the course. And, you know, you end up talking about, uh, not just golf, obviously, but, but life, love, loss. I mean, everything that's important, ambition, jobs, uh, plan for the future. You know, some of the best advice he dispensed to me took place on the golf course. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I love the game of golf so much. And, and that's a big reason why. Yeah, it's, it's fabulous. I mean, it's just literally you have to be there. 
to experience it, even though television gives you a, a, a pretty good idea. But then the spectacular play of the golfers and how much it means to them and how much that green jacket means. It's, uh, we'll go into greater detail and get some of the golfers that have uh, played there, some of the pros, um, later on as uh, we get closer to uh, the Augusta National event. Uh, next hour, it'll, we'll be joined by Mick Gillespie. Talks about my football and all. home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Did you know not washing your hands after using the bathroom can increase the spread of hepatitis A? Washing your hands with soap and water, as well as getting vaccinated, is the best way to protect yourself if you are at risk of getting hepatitis A. One dose of the hepatitis A vaccine provides long-lasting protection in up to 95% of those who receive it. For more information on the hepatitis A outbreak in our state, visit alabamapublichealth.gov forward slash IMM. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Public Health, the ABA, and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. My caretaker was very rough with me. I thought they did it because I wasn't moving fast enough. Elder abuse is a crime, and together we can stop it. If you or someone you know has been abused, neglected, or exploited, call the Adult Abuse Hotline at 1-800-458-7214. That's 1-800-458-7214. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Human Resources, the Department of Justice, ADECA Grant Number 18-VA-VS-050, the ABA, and this station. The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part, it's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Sports Talk in the state, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Let's get up and go for hour number two on Big Noon Sports. We talked about at the very top of the show, the passing Willis Reed. 
a class individual and one heck of a basketball player. Uh, con- uh, continue on the basketball note, Alabama basketball assistant coach. Uh, we know Charlie Henry went to Georgia Southern last week. Well, now word is Ryan Hopkins is going to go to Arkansas State. So when you get to this point, guys, they start snatching up your assistant coaches because they know there's a good chance they're going to bring that same mentality, that same energy that Nate Oates has provided the University of Alabama. Now, tonight, UAB will take on Vanderbilt at Nashville. That's going to be an interesting game. I have not. I will look this up when Laura starts going through the action tomorrow in the tournament. I'll look this up as to uh, where that game can be viewed, but I imagine it is probably on uh, uh, an alternate CBS sports channel. But I'll, I'll look that up. But Lars, who's playing tomorrow? Yeah, so action starts at uh, 5.30 on uh, 5.30 Central on TBS with uh, Michigan State, which is the seventh seed against Kansas State. And uh, I think somewhat fittingly, uh, in honor of uh, Willis Reed, uh, the game is going to take place at Madison Square Garden. Um, and also uh, there's two uh, New York players that are going to be going head-to-head in, in, in Tychus Walker and, or Tyson Walker and Marquise Noel. Um, and really the, the question is going to come down to is can Kansas State slow down uh, Michigan State's Walker and his uh, running mate in the backcourt, A.J. Hoggard, and um and but look whenever you give tom Izzo some time to prepare for a ncaa tournament game i'm always inclined to take michigan state um and 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 sort of the, the 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 lowdown on michigan state this year has been if you distill it into like just two categories here is they make their threes and they don't force any turnovers. They're not just a, they're not the best defensive team. But then they flip that on its head uh, and beating Marquette uh, in the last round when they went two for sixteen beyond the arc and forced sixteen turnovers. Then um, they had really good backcourt play. Uh, I think this is going to be a close game. Uh, and but I, I again I I just give the I give the edge to Michigan State simply because of uh, Tom Izzo. Uh, either you guys have any thoughts on this one? I'll take that as a no. <laughs> okay, uh, the next game is at uh, six fifteen Central on CBS. And, uh, and this is going to feature Matt, your, uh, Arkansas Razorbacks, uh, eight seed going against, uh, four seed Yukon. And this is going to be a good coaching matchup. Dan Hurley of, uh, of the Huskies uh, against Eric Musselman of, of the Razorbacks. And, uh, Matt, I- I'm going to turn this over to you because you, you, you know, Arkansas better than, uh, than most people in this state. Uh, they're, they're your team other than Alabama and UAB. Um, you know, do you think, uh, that, that Arkansas can, can get it done going against a, uh, a really strong UConn team? And, um, and I, I think, you know, UConn, um, They've got arguably the best perimeter defender uh, left in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the in the in the tournament, and uh, this kid Adam Sanago. 
Um, but Arkansas, you know, before the tournament, Matt, they were really just sort of, sort of up and down. But then they go and they beat Kansas in the second round, and they showed their talent and, and their depth. Uh, what, what do you think about this one? Did we lose? Nah. Might have lost Matt. I don't think okay. Matt's no. here. Oh, I think you just found me. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. No, I was just asking. Uh, I just wish he'd uh, stop. I wish Mus would stop taking his shirt off because I just make make that worldwide plea. Uh, it was funny. It was interesting one time. But if he keeps doing like he did against Kansas, okay, all right, not a big deal. Um, the fact that Arkansas was able to beat Kansas without Nick Smith, their, their guard, who didn't play much at all, but then um, Devo Davis took over. Uh, Arkansas presents a problem for anybody they play any style the other team plays. They're just big and physical, and they're going to try and force you into that type of game. Now, that being said, who's one of the only teams to have beaten Alabama this year? Arkansas. Bueller, Bueller, Arkansas. Uh, uh, no, what, what did I say? Who's one of the only teams that has beaten Alabama this year? It's UConn. Oh, excuse uh, me. Yeah, UConn. UConn did beat them earlier in the year. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think the Huskies are, are probably the pick here. But, you know, I'm going to ride my Razorbacks and I'm going to take uh, Arkansas. And, and I take that out of some basketball knowledge and a lot of heart. But, guys, um Arkansas is very, very athletic. They have unbelievable talent. And another thing, these some of these guys are really, really young. I don't know if you've watched a lot of them play, but um, they, Nick uh, Jordan Walsh, you've seen the guy. He's big, bald-headed guy. He's just a freshman. Um, he's one of these guys that just plays full tilt, 94 feet. He doesn't mind if he knocks you over, but then he's going to take a charge. Um Watch him in this game. Watch Jordan Walsh, number 13. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas, um, you mentioned Nick Smith, former five-star recruit. Uh, Arkansas has three NBA prospects. They're really hitting their stride right now. Uh, but I would say overall, UConn is the more complete team. And, and this one's a toss-up. Um, I, 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 I'm leaning Arkansas. I, I, I don't know. I, I just think... Uh, they're, they're going through the meat grinder of the SEC, and I think we're seeing that the SEC is, uh, you know, emerging here as, as the dominant conference along with the Big East, which UConn is in. Um, I don't know. We'll see. This, this is an intriguing matchup. Uh, then 8 Central on TBS, we got uh, number 9, uh, Florida Atlantic, against the number 4, Tennessee Volunteers. Um, and we know what Tennessee is, man. They're, they're brutes and they had the perfect game plan against Duke. And that was just be physical with them, bully them. And that's exactly what they did in the, from the opening tip, right? They just, they made it, uh, just a, a half court game and just grinding, grinding, grinding. And, um, FAU, they haven't played a power five team since November 14th. Um, FAU, they, they have, a, they're very athletic. They rely on the three point shot. 
Um, but Tennessee is the best three-point defensive team in the country. So something's got to give here. Uh, and, and Tennessee starts four guys at a 6'6 or taller. FSU is one of the smallest teams in the country. I think the physicality of Tennessee uh, act, w- sort of carries the day here, carries the night. Uh, I like Tennessee in this game. Matt, your your thoughts on, on the volunteers advancing? I want to go back and a quick note here about the Tennessee-Duke game. In the first half of that game, they didn't need to give the referees whistles. They needed to give them penalty flags because Tennessee was just brutal. They intimidated Duke. Now, Duke played tough now. They, it's not like they, they ended up uh, being intimidated totally, but uh, Tennessee out-physicaled them. But there's something about this Florida Atlantic team that I really, really like. I didn't like the end of the game, the way they dunked when there was just a few seconds left and they were up by eight. But um, That's the kind of brashness that Florida Atlantic – uh, has that their nickname does not provide. They're the owls, for goodness sakes. But um, I had Florida Atlantic uh, advance into the Elite Eight. And, uh, Lars, I'm going to stick with them. I just, I just can't get the Alabama-Tennessee game out of my mind and just how Tennessee just, just punched Alabama in the mouth. You know, I, just, I haven't seen another team do that. Um, I think a lot of this is going to depend on how this game is officiated, Matt. Like, Absolutely. And, and it, are, are the refs going to let Tennessee get away with uh, their just heavy-handed brute style, or um, will they, you know, call it a tighter game? And you know, again, the FAU—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're much smaller. Uh, and, uh, it's an interesting, it's a, you know, it's a complete contrast of style. And then something's got to give here. I, I can see this being a blowout almost, but I don't know which way. I'm leaning Tennessee, uh, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. The FAU's the, the, the nicer story. Um, and I'm still eyeing the, the potential of a, Alabama Tennessee matchup. And finally, the last game of the night tomorrow, uh, 845 scheduled tip time on CBS is a uh, number three Gonzaga against the number two ranked or the number two seated UCLA Bruins. And I think this one's going to be close. I mean, uh, it, it, Gonzaga, I, I think you can, it's without question that they have the, the, the best overall offense in the country. And UCLA arguably has one of the top two or three defenses in the country. And, uh, this is another just really in, intriguing matchups. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know, just based on what we've seen from Gonzaga, I'm, I'm going with Gonzaga in this one. Tell you what, um, they have nothing to do with the matchups, but, uh, from a television perspective, uh, particularly on the West Coast, this is the best matchup of the day. And there are several in there. I mean, we're talking about the Sweet 16 and we know what Gonzaga did earlier this year in Birmingham, Alabama. They defeated the Crimson Tide. So I think that just using as a measuring stick, just like I did with UConn, that in its own right tells you how good that basketball team, because even when Alabama plays mediocre, they beat teams. Well, Alabama played pretty good against 
to Gonzaga, and um, the Bulldogs still won the game. But I love UCLA's defense. I really, really do. Um, I'll put it out there on my. They, I've got them in my Final Four play in Houston. So it that's does. how much I like the Bruins, and and I think they will prevail tonight. I, I think either of these teams is, uh, is capable of winning the national championship. Absolutely. I love this matchup. This is, the, I, I think you're right. Uh, this is the most uh, intriguing game of, of the day tomorrow. Uh, and, uh, and, and, yeah, I mean, people on the West Coast are just going to be going crazy for it because uh, these are the two most popular teams in on the West Coast. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm leaning Gonzaga. All right, we'll uh, we'll go back and forth on that tomorrow, or actually Friday, I guess, when those games are complete. But anyway, good talking about the matchups. When we get back, we'll talk with Nick Gillespie of On3 and Bama Insider as we get back and talk of some football here on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon, the high 72. Fair tonight, the low 54. Tomorrow, sunny and warm, the high 83. Friday, warm and breezy during the day. Thunderstorms arrive Friday night. Those storms could be severe, the high 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Sports, Matt Coulter, along with Christian Miller and Lars Anderson, and joining us now on Big Noon Sports is our big time guy. Uh, that is, of course, Mick Gillespie. Um, pass along your digits real quick on how people uh, can uh, get in touch with you, and I got a quick question for you. Yeah, look, always on Twitter at Broadcaster Mick. Uh, check out my website, uh, MickTheBroadcaster.com. Always talking on there and. Uh, you know, getting ready for football, and I can't believe this basketball tournament at the Sweet 16, so pretty good time of year. Did you watch the end of the – I'm going to get my baseball out of me real quick, okay? Did you watch the end of the World Baseball Classic? And good grief, you want a matchup of two of the best guys on the planet? Uh, you got – uh, Otani versus Mike Trout, and Otani gets the best of Trout in Japan, defeats the USA by a score of 3-2. Are you liking what we're seeing uh, out of the Classic? Yeah, I mean, how about, like, I don't know what the numbers are, maybe 75 million Japanese people watching baseball. You know, they still love the game. And, um, you know, it's crazy to think about, you know, just how much interest there was in that game. And then you're right, uh that that was an incredible matchup at the end and that they're teammates. I was thinking all day, like, first off, how incredible that first pitch that Otani threw that slider. I mean, it's just like, how, do, how does anybody hit that? And then he comes back with, you know, 100. Same plane, but it just doesn't have any break and it's a strike. Um, you know, they're, they're going to – I'm curious. I'd like to be there when those two kind of talk about this eventually because – you know, so much was on the line. They're the two best players in baseball. They're on the same team, and that team stinks, which is so crazy, right, uh, in the major leagues. But last night um, was the best of baseball, I think. Mick, I want to switch over to Alabama football for a second. I was reading an article with uh, Bama Central, and they're 
basically talking about what position uh, group has the most approved this spring. So I want to ask you that. What position group do you think has the most approved this spring for Alabama football? Well, it's a wide receiver. You know, I think that wide receivers got to be the area where Alabama improves the most. You know, is it to Corey Brooks and Jermaine Burton and, you know, whoever else is going to step up and, and be a part of this. But that's been the area where I feel like Alabama has been lacking the last couple of years. And, you know, I saw where um, Slade Bolden was going to be, you know, participating in the, you know, in the, the pro day. And I just thought, you know, I said it last year, and I'll say it again. I, I don't know why he left. He, he would have made all that money in NIL, and I think he could have made the difference for Alabama last year. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and I mean, who, who, what athlete doesn't think they can go to the next level? But they really needed him last year, and I'm just curious to see, you know, who steps up and uh, helps Alabama at the wide receiver spot. I think that's, to me, the biggest question. Another question mark is on the quarterbacks, and that's probably going to be the storyline of this spring. They recently brought in Tommy Reese as offensive coordinator. Is is there one particular quarterback that you see benefits more from Tommy Reese than the other? Would, would you say you know Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson? One of those guys might benefit more from a Tommy Reese. Do you think he gives them both an, an equal chance at winning that job? Yeah, look, I I don't know. I thought about this too. Does Jalen Milrow's ability to, to run the ball give him the slight edge. I think he's got the edge just because, you know, it's his spot to lose. I mean, he was the, the backup quarterback last year and uh, Ty was third string, but, you know, with that said, it's not like his time out there, you know, was, was without, you know, some hiccups. So I don't know that there's because of the style. I mean, I know they're going to want to run the ball with the quarterback, but believe it or not, Ty Simpson can run the football, too. And he's got deceiving speed. He's, he's a better thrower from what I understand. And so I don't know. Yeah, you know, I just don't know if there – you know, if you had Jalen Hurt and it was him and Tua in this system, I'd say, you know what? Hurts has a much better chance just because of the way that, that uh, the quarterback runs. But – I think both guys can run. I mean, obviously, Milro is way better, but I, I just think that both guys can run. Mick, uh, switching over to college hoops, uh, what are your thoughts? Alabama taking on the San Diego State Aztecs on Wednesday, or sorry, on Friday, Louisville. Yeah, I'm pumped up. I mean, this is, this is everything that an Alabama fan's always wanted with basketball, to actually have a team that you look in the Sweet 16, and they're better than everybody. Now, they, that doesn't mean they're going to win, but, you know, this bracket's very winnable for Alabama. I mean, if they do the things that, you know, I think basically, to me, San Diego State's a really good opponent, but Alabama's better. You know, this is kind of like experience against youth and talent, and I'm always going to take talent over experience. Even though I think it's important experience, talent's going to win out. So... If they hit threes like they did in Birmingham, the team's really unstoppable. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And um, do you know much about San Diego State? Have you been able to, to sort of dig into them and 
and uh, you know the style they play. I mean, we, we know that they have a, a ton of experience. They're one of the oldest teams, if not the oldest team, in the tournament with four seniors uh, playing big roles. Uh, do, do, do you know much about the the Aztecs? I mean, I just know that they're a team that goes out there and executes. They don't turn the ball over. You know, they're gonna they're gonna try to make you make mistakes. They shoot. And they're, they're good at finding the open shooter. You know, they just don't make a lot of, of bad passes. Um, and they've been together, like you said, a long time. I want to ask you about a couple of the games tomorrow real quick involving the Southeastern Conference teams. Uh, if, if I'm anybody that's left in the Sweet 16, I don't want to play Arkansas and I really don't want to play Tennessee. Would, would you concur? I wouldn't want to play Arkansas. I, I think Tennessee is beatable. Uh, but Arkansas, they're, they're healthy now. You mentioned it. What was it last week? Hey, who's the team that could make a run or maybe it was a couple weeks ago? And it's Arkansas. They, they're good right now. And I think Tennessee got lucky with the way that the game against Duke was officiated. Somebody's going to take advantage of the fact that they don't have a guard. So, but, uh, but I, I, I could see Arkansas getting to the final four. I think people forget Tennessee's playing without Ziegler um, because they're in the Sweet 16. They're thinking, oh, well, what happened? Well, the, their best guy, their guard is, is, is out. But um, is there anybody else in the Sweet 16 that uh, could be overlooked? And that's kind of a lame question to begin with. <laughs> uh, this may be Gonzaga's year. You know, they we saw them in Birmingham. A lot of the teams – that have been eliminated or teams that normally kind of give them trouble. And I just, eventually they're going to win a championship. You know, they're, they're like that hockey player. They just keep taking shots on goal. You know, Timmy's a great player and they're kind of, look, they're, they're kind of hitting it right now when you need to. And this next matchup is going to be incredible. You know, you're talking about the, the two superpowers on the West coast going at it. Uh, if they get by this game, I, I just, I could see them getting there. And we, we saw them against Alabama. You know, Alabama played like crap against Oklahoma and lost. Um, you know, they, they, they didn't play great at Tennessee. That was a tough game. But, but they played pretty good against Gonzaga and they lost. So, you know, Gonzaga has already beaten Alabama. Um, and I, and I, that says a lot to me about them, you know, to come all the way to the, you know, to, to the South and play them. So I could see them making a run. Actually, I could see the winner of that game uh, getting all the way to the championship game. I, I, you know what? I I agree with you 100%, and that's what we were just talking about uh, the uh, previous segment, that uh, I think either UCLA or Gonzaga, whoever emerges from this game, is they, they got a great shot to win it all. These are two very, very talented basketball teams. And um, I know, you know, all my friends on the West Coast are really looking forward to to this game between two heavyweights. Hey, Mick, uh, two day, a couple days ago, Matt and I were up in Huntsville and we, we drove past the minor league park. And I, I, I thought of you. And I, I was thinking, just wondering, what are your favorite uh, minor league parks and I know there's not a ton of them 
But what are your favorite minor league parks, not just in Alabama, but in the South? I, my favorite park's in Montgomery. I love that park. I, I like the, just the fact that they built it. It's got all the history there, being that it was built uh, at an old train whistle stop, River Riverfront Stadium, and they used all that old architecture. I hope that they maintain it because that place is special. You know, you can almost feel the ghosts walking around out there, and they got the train tracks and all that stuff. I really love that stadium. Um, Pensacola's ballpark is the only park in uh, the country that has water from foul pole to foul pole when you look out there. And that park wasn't even that expensive to build, but the view in, in Pensacola of the bay, you know, sometimes you're sitting out there and the Blue Angels fly over. You know, that's a really special place as well. So those those two are, are my favorites. Those two are awesome. And in Montgomery, you can actually get a biscuit and get it prepared like, I think, 10, 12 different ways. Butter, jelly, honey, you name it. And uh, I haven't been to the Pensacola Stadium, but I want to do that. Hey, Mick, tell everybody where they can catch up with you. Yeah, guys, hey, again, uh, check me out on Twitter at Broadcaster Mick, uh, MickTheBroadcaster.com. And, you know, we'll be talking a lot of football. And, guys, I always love hanging out. Yeah. Get back on the water. Get back in your boat. Sounds like you might be there anyway. Thank you, Mick. Hey, roll tide, guys. See ya. Indeed. Mick. Back with more Big Noon Sports on this Wednesday afternoon. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisanne thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Back on Big Noon Sports, Max Holter and Christian Anderson. Hey, let's uh, take a few phone calls as we go to the top of the hour. You can dial us up at 205-342-9904. Christian. Playing football has left me with all types of pains. We know this by now, guys. The foot pain, the knee pain, the back pain. But thanks to my good friends over at the Good Feet store, I found a new way to eliminate and alleviate that pain with their premium art supports. Good Feet art supports are precision fit for your personal needs, lifestyle, profession, and footwear. I use them for all situations. It's remarkable the difference they make in such a short period of time. If you've never experienced them, I highly recommend you give them a shot. It's try before you buy. You've got nothing to lose. So stop into your local Good Feet store today in Tuscaloosa, this Midtown. Or you can visit them online and schedule an appointment at goodfeet.com and find the nearest location to you. Again, that's Good Feet, improving the quality of people's lives two feet at a time. Yeah, uh, Matt, uh, Giselle, uh, Tom Brady's ex-wife and the highest paid supermodel in the world, uh, recently gave a uh, exclusive interview to uh, Vanity Fair and uh, she discussed um, in pretty 
great detail um the anguish and sorrow and in pain and hurt that she has been going through um since the the public talk about her divorce from about her split with tom brady and ultimately her divorce um and uh she dispelled sort of the easy narrative right that that the media have just run with that well it was tom's devotion to football that caused the dissolution of their marriage and and she said uh i've always cheered for him i will continue forever if there's one person i want to be the happiest in the world it's him believe me i want him to achieve and to conquer i want all of his dreams to come true and uh for those of us who have been through this before uh it, her words really strike a chord here she called her divorce uh like a death and a rebirth and she said sometimes you grow together sometimes you grow apart when i was 26 years old and he was 29 we met um they actually met on a blind date and went to a little uh tavern in the west village of uh, manhattan but she said we met we both wanted a family we wanted things together and then she said as time goes by we realize we just wanted different things and now we have to make a choice that doesn't mean you don't love the person it just means that in order for you to be authentic and truly live the life that you want you have to have somebody who can meet you in the middle right it's a dance it's a balance so um you, you know i think my takeaway from this and that's a horrible word to use when talking about somebody's pain that they're going through is is that it's like everything in life it's it's complex it's nuanced it's not you can't describe why this didn't work in a sentence or two right i do know that when they moved to tampa and tom signed with the bucks that Giselle had never been to Tampa before. And they, uh, she obviously didn't have, uh, friends in Tampa. And I believe that there was a little bit of isolation. And, you know, Tom was, he was gone all the time. And so she's in this huge mansion. Remember, she, they were living in Derek Jeter's old mansion, literally the biggest house in Tampa, uh, right on the water. And, um, sometimes houses can be too big i really believe that and um you know i i think that that may have contributed that uh, that that isolation that she felt um but you know it's just uh i know it's easy for people to kind of take take shots at the couple because they everything just seems so fairy tale and and she did go on to say that she doesn't believe in fairy tales anymore um it's just a, 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 a sad story and a, a sobering reminder that you need to, in my opinion, and I haven't done a very good job at this, you need to work on your relationship with your significant other as hard as you work in your professional life, Matt. Well, first of all, if I may say candidly, how could Gazelle and Tom Brady go on anything that would be termed as a blind date? I mean, it's not like these people didn't know each other. 
I mean, come it was, on. It was, it was, it was a, they hadn't met. They had it been said. They hadn't met, and it was a I mutual understand. friend. I mean, and, and you know Tom Brady just like I don't know I don't know who the mutual friend is, but you know Tom Brady just gave him a big hug after that date. Oh you know, yeah. And and, and 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 Giselle and Tom have both said that it truly was love at first sight. Like they knew they went to uh, it, I forget the name of the of the, of the little uh, bar that they went to. Is it? It's a dimly lit. Like it's, it's like Turks and Frogs or something, <laughs> uh, and, and but but they knew like five minutes into their day that they were, were going to fall in love. I, I don't know. I don't know if you you believe in the concept of love at first sight. Uh, I think sometimes you do know. I think relatively quick in a relationship whether or not this has got a possibility. But um, yeah, I mean, it, so it. it it was technically a blind date, but and, and and actually, I don't think Giselle, you know, she is she's not a, 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 an American, right? <laughs> she she's she's a she's from Brazil, so I, I think there's a very good chance that she did not know who Tom Brady was. Well, she'd be the only one on U.S. soil that didn't. Um, Here's the way I am about it. Uh, I don't like to, you know, air too much of my personal life. Uh, and I don't know why these two feel compelled to do so. Uh, be quiet. Go on about you. I mean, I know Vanity Fair wanted the interview, but she didn't have to grant it. Uh, maybe it helps, you know, her get over this or not. But quite frankly, it's like the Gwyneth Paltrow trial that everybody's going nuts about. I don't give a rip. Excuse me, Christian. Am I just being too blunt? I really don't care no, why they divorce. I really don't. I'm with you 100. percent I, you know, it's not my business. I don't think it's anybody else's business. Obviously, people would love to hear the juicy gossip and the reasonings behind things. But like you said, it's really between them, and for them to work out, maybe her talking about it is a, a mechanism for her to cope. But I mean, she could do that privately with a therapist or a friend. Um, I. I just, I mean, I don't, but that's just how things are. I guess when you're in the spotlight, everybody wants to, to know everything because they, they feel like they're a part of you. You know, they, they watch Tom Brady. They, they see her modeling and, and everything that she does and they feel that they're a part of them. Uh, so they, they, they want to hear answers, but I mean, it's what it is. I probably won't watch the interview myself, but um, I'm sure other people will. And by, by the way, Lars, that is not aimed at you for bringing it up. It is no, a topic. No, not at all. Oh, yeah, not, no. not at all. So I didn't mean yeah. to go, oh, Lars, why'd you bring this up? Well, just, uh, do you really care about it? I mean, I know you're closer to Brady than any of us, but does it matter? I, I do care about it because it, it is actually, a, it's a big portion in my book, uh, A Season in the Sun, because you have to kind of understand their relationship to understand Tom and I'm not going to get into it now, but also, you know, it didn't hurt Giselle by any stretch because guess who's on the cover of Vanity Fair this month? Tom Brady. (laughs) 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 Uh, Giselle in a very, um, shall we say, well, then that's why uh, they did it because it's going to push. The, it's going to push that. that well, see now, magazine. I mean, they, they all. They, I feel like they always do that though. Like if someone's going to be on the cover of something, they always air an interview. Like I feel like I've seen that with. Uh, I don't know if it's like GQ or whatever. Sometimes these athletes they'll be on the cover of something, and then there's always an interview to go with it. So it's probably just 
standard at this point. Maybe they knew that was the hot topic to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, she's uh, Giselle. There couldn't be a more high-profile couple in the world, right? I mean, she she for a long time has been the highest-paid model in the world. Tom Brady, she's actually made more money than Tom Brady has. Um, and um, I know that, uh, that you know, it, it just, uh, I think moving to Tampa ended up sort of being the beginning of the end. Oh, yeah, and that, that bar in the West Village, it is called, it's a, it's a wine bar. It's called Turks and Frogs. I, I've been there. It's a, it's a nice, it's a nice little joint. Good place to take a date. So who did you take? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not going to air any of that. The, the only other couple I would think is close to being their fame worldwide is that uh, I can't even see. That's how much I pay attention. Shouldn't even be bringing it up. That that British couple that's trying to get out of the family and all that. I don't know. I bet none of us Meghan know. Markle and uh, is it Prince Yeah, there you go. So there's Christian Miller. Now we know when he's going checking out at Publix that he's grabbing that National Enquirer, the People magazine. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not grabbing that magazine. But no, I feel like it's inevitable, to, uh, you know, to hear about that couple. I feel like they're always in some controversy. Well, hey, uh, when we come back, we're going to steer away from the social scene and get back to sports. Lars, good topic, though. It was funny anyway. Uh Back with more Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Fiore, Grayson, and Miz and Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Goodfeet store. Now that I'm pain free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. 
Are you receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov slash fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ABA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for TTY accessibility. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education, and excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon, the high 72. Fair tonight, the low 54. Tomorrow, sunny and warm, the high 83. Friday, warm and breezy during the day. Thunderstorms arrive Friday night. Those storms could be severe, the high 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship. Championship team, the best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Look, I think everybody has an opportunity. Um, you know, none of the guys have a significant amount of experience. I, I think Jalen played, you know, one game, half a game where he really had to play the game. Uh, and he made a lot of plays. He made plays in a different way than, than Bryce made plays. Um, you know, Ty, who made significant progress throughout the year, but never really had much of an opportunity to play in critical situations in a game, um, is also someone that we think has developed and um, made a lot of improvement and has a lot of potential to be a pretty good player. And then we got two young freshmen that, you know, they probably have a long way to go, uh, but they're eager to learn and they're eager eager to uh, try to improve and get a better understanding of what we need to do. But development at that position is really going to be a, a critical thing for our team this year because I like the players that we have around them. That's Nick Saban from earlier this week commenting on the quarterback situation, uh, which is about as wide open as we've seen since he's been there, although he has dealt with it before. Christian is aware of that. Christian, I want to ask you this question because we know that Milrow is the better of the two runner and maybe by a pretty good distance, although Nick brought it up a little while ago. I don't think people have seen Ty and his escapability and his ability to use his legs. But I think on the other side, you would view Ty as the better passer. As an edge rusher, which one would you rather face? Uh, it just depends, Matt. Um, it, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, I would rather as an edge rusher face the guy that can't use his legs because then he's just sitting back there waiting to get sacked. That's a lot less work I have to do chasing somebody down. Um, but that's not what's best for the football team. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you know, I think it just depends. And realistically, again, um, the, the, the guy that's best for the job 
uh, is going to be the quarterback. Plain and simple. The guy that wins the team over, the guy that gives the, the team the best chance to win games is going to ultimately be the quarterback. Doesn't matter if he, matter if, if he does it in a different way. You just heard Coach Saban alluding to the fact that, uh, Milro made plays, you know, a little bit differently. He used his legs against Arkansas and everybody was, uh, high on him. And then they saw him in A&M and he struggled a little bit with some of his passing. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, everybody lost all hope. But again, you have to realize, and we spoke about this last night, me and my dad did a podcast, um, with the Bama standard. And it's one of those things where you have to give guys time to develop, right? You know, y'all saw a very small sample size of Jalen Milrow. You know, the guy got thrown in the fire unexpectedly due to injury. Um, you know, initially he was the backup. So, I mean, this, he's had time, you know, through the spring or before spring, you know, with winter workouts and whatnot, you know, work on his mechanics, work on his fundamentals. He's got this spring to go in there and continue to progress with his fundamentals, his throwing motions, his, his footwork, all those things that he needs to do and improve upon to be a better passer. And, and I, I'm telling you right now, you're going to see a much better, um, player, um, than you saw even last season. I, I made the example last night that, when we saw Bryce Young in, you know, spare time in 2020 or whenever it was when he was backing up Mac Jones, I'll be quite honest. In the little sample size we got, I wasn't blown away with him. I did, wouldn't have looked at him in those trash minutes when he got in and in those football games and said, oh, man, this guy's going to win the Heisman. And that's no disrespect to Bryce. Bryce is a phenomenal quarterback, a generational talent. But I'm just showing people that you can't just go off of a one-game sample size. You can't go off of those things. You have to give everybody a fair chance and give them time to develop. And that's what you're going to see out of these guys, especially when you add competition into the mix. When guys are competing, they bring, competition brings out the best out of everybody. So you're going to see a much better Jalen Milrow. You're going to see a much better Ty Simpson. I think you just got to let the process play out. I also kind of compared it back to 2016. You know, a lot of guys were, there were a lot of people, all they talked about was Blake Barnett. Um, and ultimately it was a guy in Jalen Hurts who wasn't necessarily the best passer at the time. We see what he is now and, and how he developed. So you also look at that uh, example. But we saw him basically earn that job because he gave the team the best chance to win. And uh, it's one of those things he made a lot of plays with his legs, but he also could make the throws. Um, so I just urge people to be patient. Don't write anybody off. It's still spring. Don't even, you know, base everything totally off spring. Cause again, these guys are going to finish spring ball. They're going to go into the summer program. They're going to have more time to progress and improve. Then they're going to go into training camp and continue to battle it out. And ultimately I think Alabama has several really good options at the quarterback position, um, that they can, uh, go back and forth between and, and ultimately the guy, who wins the team over. I think that's a large aspect. The guy who earns the trust of his teammates, he gives them the best chance to win, not just the best thrower because there's a lot of other things. I know guys that can throw great, Matt, but they have terrible pocket presence. You know, they don't make great decisions. That's another big thing. The guy who does not turn the football over and make smart decisions. There's a lot of talented quarterbacks, but they don't have that that football awareness, that the instincts, that IQ in order to, you know, not put themselves in bad positions. You got to look at all those factors and variables before making a decision on a guy. And that's why I think this is going to take a pretty good while for them to figure out. And again, it might go all the way into the season, but that's okay. Ultimately, the best guy will win the job. Yeah, Christian, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I mean, you, you look at what Nick Saban's done historically, and I, I think I think both of them will play in the season opener against Middle Tennessee. I think both of them could even play against Texas, you know, and then see who, as Christian said, wins over the team. That's the big takeaway from what Christian just said, because uh, you can have a lot of different talents, but, man, if... 
10 people aren't listening to you when you're in the huddle. Well, they don't really have huddles anymore. But you, you got to have the respect and have the leadership abilities. We're out of here. We'll do it again tomorrow at noon.